The subject I'm going to be discussing today is quality and safety during COVID-19 and the opportunities and challenges it presented. I don't think there's much disagreement that quality and safety is important for patients, um, but we hear too often about failures in quality and safety in the NHS with its disastrous consequences, for example, in Mid-Staffordshire. I suppose I should explain why I'm talking about education and training um, when the subject of this is quality and safety. I think the best way of explaining it was put by Professor Sir John Temple when he produced his Time for Training report in May 2010. And he summed it up as, training is patient safety for the next 30 years. Part of the hospital's response to the COVID crisis involved quite a few changes to the training programme for the Foundation Doctors. And in this podcast, I'm going to be looking at some of the ways that we try to ensure the quality and safety of the training for the doctors. In our recent study day on quality and safety, we spent some time with Murray Anderson Wallace discussing how we can use frameworks which allow us to identify areas of risk. So not only concentrating when things have gone wrong, but actually looking at areas where we might be able to take some action to prevent harm happening. We spent some time looking at the Health Foundation's measurement and monitoring of safety framework. Um, And we discussed how the tool could help us move from thinking about the absence of harm to actually the presence of safety. Operating in the world of medical education, I'm quite familiar with the Health Education England quality framework and quality standards, which apply in normal situations. Um, There are six different standards that they measure us against. The first being the learning environment of the culture. Um, and they like to see that we're working towards safe care and that we provide a positive experience for our learners. The second point is educational governance and leadership. They ask us to measure our performance against quality standards and check that we are using effective governance arrangements. The third point is supporting and empowering learners, um, ensuring that we have uh, good educational and pastoral support for trainees. The fourth point is supporting and empowering educators, um, requiring that all our educational and train, training roles are appropriately trained. Um, number five is delivering the curriculum and assessments. We have to have plans in place for the programme with assessments and learning. And the last bit is developing a sustainable work workforce um, and allowing the learners the opportunities to have career advice and engaging with local workforce planning. During COVID, Health Education England produced a new quality framework, just as important. And the key principles which they were focused on were firstly that the trainee safety should be maintained at all times. Um, Secondly, that induction was a key element of quality and patient safety. Next, that trainees should be working within their level of competence. 
they made the point that supervision for learners remained paramount and talked about an environment in which concerns could be raised and supported. And lastly, that the health and well-being need of the trainees was to be maintained. At Kingston Hospital, we were very clear from the beginning of COVID that it wasn't a, a matter of patient safety or staff, staff safety, or patient safety or staff training. All these things were equally important to us because they all were part of our quality and safety framework. Here I'm talking to Dr Jill McCarthy, who's the Director for Medical Education at Kingston Hospital. And we were reviewing all the plans that we'd brought into place at the beginning of COVID, how we'd rearranged the rotations, reorganised induction and training, and all the things that we'd put in place to ensure the quality of the education throughout the COVID crisis. And Jill, do you remember back in March, seems like a long time ago, and... At that point, we were heading, certainly in the foundation programme, towards all the junior doctors changing over in April, and then suddenly life changed, didn't it? Yes, I remember it well, because I'd just come back from leave from Argentina, and the following week we were on lockdown, and um, the COVID rota was starting, which actually started on the 1st of April, which is actually, as you said, which is a normal changeover day for all trainees on four monthly rotations. Um, so we suddenly, well, there were a huge number of issues to suddenly sort out um, to provide, I mean, the main focus then was to provide an effective service to manage uh, the COVID epidemic yeah. um, um, with our sort of huge swathe of, you know, 230 junior doctors in the trust as well. So the first thing we did was um, we stopped all the rotations, so everybody stayed in their current post um, and didn't rotate on. Um, which did cause some upset amongst trainees because trainees were looking forward to their final, often looking forward to their final post, which may have been a specialty they particularly wanted to do um, before they completed their one-year um, placement, their, their posts for that year. Um, the, uh, we devised this mega rotor, um, which was uh, an, uh, thought of as an efficient way of providing care, a flexible way of providing care during the COVID crisis. Because the problem was the wards were changing on a daily basis, um, into you know some were COVID positive, some weren't. So, you know, basically all wards became medical wards, um, and we needed the flexible workforce to be able to deploy as necessary. Um, so um, uh, Louise Ho helped um, devise the medical rotor. So basically, we divided the workforce into four teams. Um, called um, red, yellow, blue and green um, and we divided up all the junior doctors across the four teams so that there were the same number of um, grades and specialties within each team and also divided up all, all the consultants um, across the four teams too and that included consultants brought in from all the, um, the peripheral specialties who weren't necessarily doing mainstream medicine or acute medicine as part of their normal job. Um, so they ended up with a team of probably about 45 people per team, 45 to 50 people altogether. And then the plan was that on each morning um, there would be a roll call and people would be deployed to areas as required, as depending on the workload and the number of patients that day and as you know, things changed. So this, this was, um, my concern here was around the, the junior doctors, ensuring that they were are still appropriately clinical supervised so yeah. that their, uh, 
they delivered safe care. Um, and I was also very wary that they um, continued as much in an education, you know, receive their education as much as possible, but clearly that was going to be difficult in, mm. in the circumstances. Um, and it was quite different as well, because we all suddenly had to become experts in COVID, didn't we? We certainly did. So it was a very steep learning curve um, for a lot of us, apart from those normally doing acute medicine, but even they had to learn because we were facing a new uh, disease, a new condition, which we knew nothing about. Yeah. Um, and things evolved, like you know, the, you know, the, the pro-thrombotic risk, we knew nothing about that yeah. at the beginning of the epidemic. Um, so, so one of my sort of um, so HEE were involved in all this, um, but they were you know they were a bit slow to react. So one of the the key things we I wanted to ensure first that each trainee had a clinical supervisor who was on the same team as them. So they changed clinical supervisor. They retained the same educational supervisor, because with this rotor you were unlikely to see anybody else in the other team because you were doing three long days on, yeah. three days off and then three nights. So it mm. was quite insular working. You only really met people in your team. So you had a clinical supervisor within the team. Um, their normal education programs, of course, went out the window, um, regional training, local training. Um, and providing training in this circumstances or education is going to be difficult. Um, so I, I decided to set up a twice-weekly lunchtime program with, with lunch, because normally you do have to eat um, and that would attract the people on the day road to that day so it's a bit you know so at least there was some continuing education um, and the early lectures were very focused very much towards updating on, on learning about COVID you know, so yeah. different specialists sort of um, uh, talked about um, what they were doing in their experience but pr even prior to, to all this we had sort of emergency teaching and training on things like ventilation looking after ventilated patients pruning patients, new term, donning and doffing, another new term, how to put your PPE on and off, because this was all new to all of us. Um, and I have to say the simulation team were fantastic here because they really knuckled down and provided mm. all this, and we were yeah. very lucky to have them here on site um, and trained us all up with sort of ad hoc sessions whenever um, the, you know, the trainees and, and other doctors could make it. Um, and nurses too, they also, you know, the nurses were... Um, was not my particular remit, but they needed a lot of support and training as well. Um, so uh, I have to say, in the, the junior doctors actually, um, I probably should call them doctors in training, don't like necessarily like the word junior doctors, um, really sort of um, grasped this and sort of knuckled down to it. And um, there was a great sense of camaraderie in the uh, in the. Um, early days because we were all in it together sort of thing um, and they were actually working with a lot of consultants on the shop floor which was slightly yeah. different to normal um, you know so there were about eight plus consultants on the shop floor with them from a range of specialties so they could all call on anyone to get help for a specific problem um, and you know it's a very flat hierarchy um, and you know they were just able to ask for advice when, yeah. whenever um, and they found that very supportive so that sort of mitigated some of the Facts, you know, they were working on non-compliant router, um, etc. And, you know, it was tiring. Yeah. And it still is. Because, um, of course, they're continuing with it now till August. As training programme director for the Foundation Year 2, one of the main interests that I had during the COVID rearrangements was the psychological safety of the staff. In the first meaning of this, I'm talking about psychological safety 
such as creating conditions where people can take interpersonal risks in a safe environment in teams. This is something that we discussed again on our study day with Murray Anderson Wallace. We talked about how working in a supportive learning environment can build a culture in a team and the role of the leaders could be something to do with normalising a level of uncertainty and helping other members of the team to share when things are not going well and bring up concerns about quality and how this contributes overall to a whole culture. Mary Dixon Woods and colleagues in their paper about culture and behaviour in the English National Health Service, paper of 2014, talk about the culture of and the well-being of staff and point out how it's closely linked to the well-being of patients. I took from this the importance of making sure that the staff, particularly the junior doctors, felt safe, supported, respected and valued during the Covid crisis. I looked at guidance from NHS England and the British Psychological Society to find ways that I could best support the junior doctors. And these included encouraging them to buddy up during their teams, um, talking to other staff about supportive handovers. During their teaching, we introduced a weekly lunch um, with occasional Zoom meetings with tea and biscuits, um, and even a rather unsuccessful attempt at gardening. We planted sunflowers in the hope that they would be there for us in July. As I speak in July, I can report that none of the sunflowers actually grew, but I guess that wasn't the point of it. Within the Trust, there were formal, organisational, psychological and um, mental health support structures, but that wasn't what I was trying to do. It was by being a visible an available supportive leader. Being a leader who made a human connection with the junior doctors at their level, um, sharing with them that the situation was unprecedented, that none of us knew what was going on really. Our lunches in the garden gave us the opportunity to talk about frustrations and confusions um, and a little bit about the disillusionment and disappointments of maybe what we'd hoped would be happening but wasn't, um, and sharing that we were all in the same situation. Workplace culture and teamwork is a subject that is often raised when talking about quality and patient safety. We've learned a lot about this during COVID. Uh, our new mega rotas equalised the team. We were all learning about a whole new condition. There were no experts. Everyone learnt together. Covid gave everyone the chance to be an expert at something on the team. Staff from theatres and ITU became experts on ventilation and taught the rest of us. And the junior doctors are far more expert at using the computerised records and they were able to teach some of their senior colleagues how to use this. Amy Edmondson's work on the fearless organisation and teaming shows how a culture in a team can be built. And I think our local mega rotors demonstrated some of this. In conclusion, I've looked at the quality and safety 
by looking at the experience of doctors in training during COVID. I hope I've explained how doctors' educational wellbeing is as important as and vital for patient safety and contributes to the overall quality and safety on an ongoing basis. I believe that the lessons learnt during COVID, and I hope the examples given by clinical leaders, will resonate into the future through our trainees.